Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Today, we're talking about how to fall in love with reading the Bible. Now, I'm so excited about this episode because if you're anything like me, sometimes reading the Bible feels more like a should do than a get to. Do you ever feel that way? You know, we're told about the power and the beauty of God's Word, which kind of puts this pressure on it to where we feel like every time we pick up our Bible, we should immediately feel our lives changing or our hearts transforming, and we should enjoy every single minute we spend reading it. But I think for a lot of us, sometimes the reality feels a little bit more like slogging through a really long book with absolutely zero pictures and really thin pages, a book with a bunch of names we can't pronounce, dates we can't remember, and laws we can't make sense of. Sometimes it feels more like a really hard history class than a chance to connect with the God that loves us, right? I mean, okay, maybe that's just me, but I have a feeling I'm not alone here. But that's why I'm so excited about today's guest. Our guest for today is Angie Smith. Now, I've wanted to have Angie on the show for years now, partially because she's hilarious and fun and the kind of person you just know you want to be friends with, but mostly because she is the author of my all-time favorite Bible study. It's called Seamless, and in it, Angie somehow finds a way to take us all the way through the Bible, from beginning to end, helping us connect the dots to where we actually understand what we're reading, why it matters, how to apply it to our lives, and really appreciate it and enjoy it. I've gone through Angie's study seamless twice already, and I'm thinking about getting ready to start round three. Not only that, but along the same lines, Angie has another brand new book out called Woven. It is an awesome resource, and I am just so excited for you to get to hear more about it and for you to get to meet Angie today. But before we dive in, I have a resource I wanted to make sure to share with you. It's called the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and here's what it's all about. The Lipstick Gospel Devotional is a 90-day devotional to help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. In this devotional, we talk about how to consistently spend time with God and feel connected to Him well beyond your morning quiet times. We talk about how to trust the plans God has for your life and how to figure out what those plans even are. We talk about how to step into your God-given identity, feeling truly beautiful and good enough in your skin. We talk about how to keep your faith strong in the midst of transition, uncertainty, and really hard days. We talk about how to add more joy, more delight, and even more whimsy to your everyday life, and so much more. You know, as we're talking about reading the Bible more in this episode, one of my very favorite ways to use a devotional is to have it be kind of the way that I begin my time with God. I read a devotional, and then that's when I go ahead and dive into the Bible or into a study like Angie's, but I just love starting out my my time with God with something like a devotional. And so friends, if you are looking to grow in your faith these days, I would love to share this with you. To pick up a copy, you can go to stephaniemaywilson.com or you can click the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Angie. Friends, I am so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my friend Angie Smith. And Angie, I'm so excited to have you on Girls' Night. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, my goodness. What you guys cannot see is the patience that Stephanie has had for the last, I don't know, more than a half an hour just trying to let me figure out how to be connected. So I'm glad to be here. And I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. Technology is such a thing. I mean, you guys don't get to see this as much with the show, but because, I mean, hopefully we figured it out by the time you're listening. But I mean, sometimes like Skype doesn't work or power goes out or like, I mean, it's just we'd it's sometimes it takes like a little bit of finagling to make things happen. And that's kind of our story today. Yes, it is. So, so Angie, we, did it, oh, we did it. Yes, we did it. We did it. OK, so um, for women who don't know you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do and a fun fact about yourself? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'm Angie Smith. Hey, y'all. I write Bible studies and books. My just kind of like a just a snippet of my background is that um, several years ago, we were pregnant with our fourth daughter, but we found out that she wasn't going to survive. So we carried her as long as we could. And she lived for about two and a half hours. I've had another daughter since then. So we have four living daughters. But 
um, when I was pregnant with Audrey, I, I started a blog just to kind of, my husband's a singer and people had sort of been asking and I, anyway, so I just started a blog and that's kind of what led to what I'm doing right now. So she's still a, she's still a big part of all of it. Yeah. Fun fact though. Um, you know what, this isn't exactly fun, but it's interesting. Does that count? Totally. Okay. I went to Sandy Hook Elementary School. Wow, you did. I did. Like I was in the classroom where the woman was able to get all the kids into the bathroom. So anyway, I just, that's that was the first thing that came to mind just because it's so unusual. That is really unusual. No, I know. So I know that's not exactly fun, but I still think it's like one of those things in my life that is just unique and unfortunately not for great reasons now. But Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah that is really interesting. I know. And- Thank you so much for for sharing about your daughter. I we I I don't know if I told you this. I'm like five months pregnant as we you are talking didn't. right now, um, and my husband and I went through a long uh, fertility journey leading up to this, yeah. and so um, our story is definitely different. But um, I I really appreciate like mm-hmm. I just know that God has used your story so much through you sharing it. And Wait, are you pregnant with your first? Yes, and actually our uh, first our first two. I'm pregnant with twins. You are. Yes. <laughs> you know that my, I mean, you probably know this because you, you had to look at me online to make sure that I wasn't a freak, but my two oldest are identical twins, my 17 year old girls. So wait, I'm a big fan. Okay. Angie, I did not know this. Mine are oh. identical twin girls as well. No. Okay. I have a million questions for you, but we're going to have to, we'll, we'll do this offline because everyone's like, okay, okay cool guys. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be awesome if they're all listening and we're like, is it one sack or two sacks? How's your placenta doing? Seriously, yeah, we'll yes, we'll wait. yes, yeah. Those are those are all kind of. We'll we'll talk about that offline. You guys are welcome. <laughs> well, That's so, awesome, though. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, well, so Angie, I want to tell you. I haven't told you this yet, but um, your Bible study, Seamless, is my favorite Bible study I've ever done. Ever. Oh my gosh, Stephanie! Wow. It truly it is. For those of you guys who don't know, it it takes you through the Bible from the very beginning to the very end. And Angie, I feel like the Lord was with you as you wrote this because I, that is a feat to be able to, to get through so much content. And like, it's not a million years long either, mm. but it, it truly is so, I feel like I've recommended it to so many people. Oh, um, thank you. It, it like... I feel like it's amazing if you have been a Christian for one minute or a hundred years. Like it just gives you so much context. And for anyone mm-hmm. who feels like kind of a dummy when it comes to the Bible, this Bible study is amazing. And so I've wanted to have you on the show for a while just because I, I know that the Bible is so important, but right. also really confusing. And so oh. I have just a million questions for you about it. But I know you have a new book called Woven. And yes. I would love to hear like, can you tell us the backstory to Bible studies? Like, how did you get into writing yes. Bible studies and the way you write them and things like that? Like, how did that all come about? Well, it's a great story, um, but I can, I'll give you the condensed version. My friend Audrey always says, short story long, um, but no, <laughs> the, <laughs> she's so great. Basically, I was in graduate school and I God was just pursuing me. I can see that now, but I was invited to a Bible study and my first Bible study, if anyone's listening and does Bible studies, was Beth Moore's Breaking Free, which is not an easy first Bible study. But I had to go get it at the Lifeway store. I legitimately sat in the parking lot listening to the Beastie Boys, and I would not go in the store. I was like, I'll never go in there. So this is like not that many years ago. I was in grad school. And I can, I would say I'm kind of not, I'm an academic, just that's how I like to learn. And so I did the Bible study, and then I was like, I don't understand the Bible. So I just don't like, we'd read stuff and I'm like, I don't know who Isaiah is. Or I'd read a quote. And I'm like, I mean, I've seen that embroidered, but I don't know where that was or when that was. And so I went to that Lifeway store, <laughs> like creeper. I sat in the kids section. I pulled out like the picture books of the Bible, like literally board book so that I could just see the absolute basic story. And then I would kind of graduate up and graduate up. And then I would keep doing these Bibles that broke it down in a way that was much easier because they were for kids. So I started to get a better 
understanding of how it worked. And I had only done books up till then. I never would have said I would write a Bible study. And so Lifeway approached me, you know, a couple of years later when I had become a Christian and they took me to lunch and they were like, we think that um, you're supposed to write Bible study and has the Lord stirred your heart? Is there anything on your mind? And I said, I'd really like to write a Bible study that explains the Bible from beginning to end in context and chronologically in a really simple way. And there were three women there, all three started crying and said, we have prayed this specific thing. Like we have prayed and we really think this is what you're supposed to do. So honestly, that was one of the, I don't, I don't have a lot of stories like that where I'm like this, you know, it was just one of those times where I really felt like, you know what? God really allowed me to kind of feel stupid because everyone does. I mean, they're like tissue pages, like how on earth, right? Do you figure it out? So, I mean, until the day I die, I will be so proud to have even been a part of this project. So anyway, that's a short story long, but that's how it came about. It's pretty special. I love that. I I remember being, you know, I was, let's see, just out of college and the church, I went to a really awesome church. I was living in Colorado. I went to a really awesome church and um, the pastor was telling the story of how he became a pastor and his dad was a pastor and he felt like God was sort of like kind of knocking on his door a little bit, being like, hey, you know, I this is something I want you to consider. This is something I have for you. And he made a deal with God, which he's like, I don't know if you're allowed to, to do that. But he said, all right, like I'll, and I mean, it was like relentless. Like he, God was mm-hmm. like knocking down his door at, you know, kind of by the end. And he's like, God, I'll do this as long as I can talk to real people about mm. you in real ways, like just mm. in English. And wow. I remember sitting there hearing that story going, okay, me too. Like wow. if I'm going to, if I'm going to talk about God, if I'm going to have a relationship with God, like I need to do it like a human, not like right. a church person, you know, I, I just, right. and that's why, right. you know, on the show where we really do our best to just speak English and not Christianese and not yes. like make oh, it God. so that you feel like you have to have some sort of, you know, master or like, you know, masters in divinity in order to right. understand what we're talking about here. Like, and that's so not with the Bibles, like the Bible's written for us. And incidentally, Stephanie, you may not know this, but my dad was diagnosed with cancer years ago, given three months to live. I knew nothing of Jesus. I, When I was at Vanderbilt, it, when I was in grad school, I made a bet with God and said, if you heal my dad, I will find out about you. And they called Christmas Eve and said, we cannot find the cancer anywhere in your body. So I was like, perfect. So then I went through RCIA, which is for um, to become Catholic as an adult. I did that for a year. And then it was after that that I was invited to the study that story is really hard to tell now because it was such a miracle, but unfortunately he died last year of cancer. So it's, it, it's sort of like a, it is a mixed blessing. Um, I think I got one miracle and not, not this one. Um, but that was it. I mean, so I don't know if it's legal or illegal in the Christian world, but I definitely made a bet with God. And I'm going to tell you his, his like odds of winning are hovering like right at a hundred percent. So (laughs) I, it's, first of all, I'm so sorry. I, it's, uh, I feel like we could talk about this forever. I kind of love moments like that with God where like, like, I don't know if you're allowed to do this. Yeah. This is kind of how this happened. When, when I became a Christian, I, towards the end of college and I had just gone through a really big breakup and like felt like every relationship in my life had totally fallen apart. And, um, I ended up, it was right before I was planning, planning to study abroad. So I happened to be studying abroad in Spain and we went to Italy for, um, a week over spring break. And the night before, um, my girlfriends and I went on a pub crawl and like did the pub crawl, did the whole thing. We got free t-shirts. Like, I mean, I feel like we worked for those t-shirts. Like we, <laughs> we did, we were champion pub crawlers. And then the next day we decided to wake up and go to like tour the Vatican. Cause like, as well as being, you know, fun and wanting to enjoy the party scene, we also were right. like, we should go see, you know, the Pope's house over here. Were you, you're trying to go to confession, weren't you? <laughs> I've like, listen, we need to talk about what I did last night. But so we, so we went to the Vatican and and none of us had the foresight to think about the fact that like, it's weird to wear your pub, your free pub crawl t-shirt to the Pope's house. No, you didn't. No, yeah, we, we for sure did. All three of us matching. Nope. Um, none of us had, like really showered before we went. And so we oh were, we went to the Vatican, like hungover, smelling like beer. No. 
wearing a club crawl t-shirt, and I became a Christian in the Sistine Chapel that day wearing You're a club crawl t-shirt. Joking? Nope. Hungover. Yep. Oh my goodness, that is one of the best salvation stories I have ever heard, and it's so me. I love that. <laughs> I feel like we're cut from the same cloth here. But I, I just think so. like I love that about God that He. Like, I feel like he has a bit of a sense of humor. And even Um, though he's almighty, even though he's huge, even though he's all powerful and all knowing and all these things, like he, I feel like he gets on our level sometimes and he humors us sometimes. And I, like, I just really love that. And I think sometimes, you know, I had this really, sorry, this is all sort of related to Oven, but I had this, I had an event this past weekend and Meredith Andrews was there leading worship. And at one point we started talking and she was responding to a question that the audience had, but she said something like, when you picture Jesus, when you're thinking about God, do you see him smiling? And it was just an interesting thought to me because I think my instinct, when I think of Jesus, I I don't think of him smiling. I don't think of him being mean, but it's more like a presence and not a joy automatically. It really convicted me. And I'm like, God's funny. All the things we are, he had to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, just like fall out of thin air. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I don't think I jump right to the fact that he just delights in me. And when I talk to him, he's like, happy to see you, you know? So I think it is important to remember that we don't have to be like this stiff, like he's the, you know, the old Testament God who's like roaring and slamming his thumb, thumb down. I think when we start to think of the human characteristics that we have, and realize that God has those. That's a really cool way to feel, I don't know, it makes me feel sort of like safer and more connected to God. A hundred percent. That is such, that's so cool. I feel like we're all going to be thinking about that forever. Like, do I picture him smiling? Like, because I think on some level we go, well, God like has, like, I don't know, for some of us, it's really hard to believe that God loves us, period. But then for some of us, like, I feel like for me, I'm like, well, I feel like God kind of has to love me. Like he made me. So like, he kind right. of, it's like, it's an obligation, but totally, to believe that yeah. God likes me and delights in me and like enjoys my presence is, it's is a crazy, is crazy. Yeah. And is like another step that I'm constantly kind of trying to take. I am too. Cause I don't think that my natural instinct is to like, if I, I'll always tell people, someone said this to me years ago and it's sort of the same way I feel Jesus is People laugh when I say this, but it was one of the most profound moments. I had a friend and she was reading a book to me and she like, we had gone to get coffee and she's like, I just want you to hear this. And at one point it said, when you walk into a room or a situation, do you assume that you're welcome? I never do. Never, never, never. I think when I walk into a room with my family, I mean, my assumption is that I have to win you over, that you're, that I'm not welcome automatically. And so I have to be careful of doing that with God. Like, and you know, obviously like this is all like childhood stuff that we learn, but that question in particular, that was years ago. I think of it all the time. If I go to the pool and there are friends there, I'm talking about my friends. I do not walk in assuming that I'm welcome. I have my, my best friend, like a a million years ago, she had this quote that I cannot, like, I'll never stop laughing about it and I'll never stop like envying it. She, I think she had like sort of invited herself somewhere. Like she was like, oh, like, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, no, I'll come too or whatever. And, and I think I said something, like someone asked her about it, you know, because I would never, yeah, I feel like I have to be invited like four or five times before I'm like, okay, are we sure? And she's like, well, it just never, it never occurred to me that people wouldn't want me there. And I was like, Put that I in a bottle. Love that. We're going to sell that. <laughs> That's seven. Annie Downs, we were on a tour and we were talking about this. And she said at one point, like, I don't, I showed up and it just got better. What do you, <laughs> like, oh, oh my gosh, I would do anything to have that. I love it. It's yep. just not me. I'm such a two. So, Wait, uh, anyway. I am too. Oh, yeah. I got a one wing, but I'm a solid two. Okay. I'm a solid two with a three wing, but yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So this is why we get along so well. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> Angie, I have a million Bible questions that I want to make sure to ask you. I'm sure I can answer any question you have about the Bible. I'm so excited. We're going to put you to the, no, I'm just kidding. We're not putting you to the test. So uh, you kind of mentioned this, but I want to like go circle around to it because I know that there are women listening who are like, I feel really stupid when it comes to right. the Bible. Like, is that, can you talk to us about that? Like, is that normal if we feel that way? Or are we like the one-off bad Christian who like 
you know, shouldn't yeah. apply for this job or shouldn't go on right. a mission trip or, you know, like whatever, like, are we yes. discounted because of that? Yeah. No, I think you are the one off and I think you're stupid. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Not yeah. where I thought you were going with that. That's great. Good interview. No, it's listen, I'm going to tell you this. You have no idea how many times I have met the wife of a pastor who's been a Christian for 60 years. And she's like, I never knew that the New Testament and the Old Testament were related. Like, this is something where I think we have access to a lot more now as far as studying than the generations before us. But there has never been a time ever where I felt like when I'm meeting people, we weren't always going, oh my gosh, did you know? Oh wait, I'm confused about this. Is that... So I think there's actually sort of like a sweet part of that because as long as we're interested in it, it's what makes us keep going back. If we get to the point where we're like, yeah, I've got it. Every verse you read, you'll learn something new. If you're, you know, often I'm just reading scripture and I'm like, I read something and read it again, read it again. And I'm like, Lord, just show me something if there's something interesting in there. So no, I would say everyone is stupid because no (laughs) one does it perfectly. And I think one of the things that we can do is to make sure that we're always being curious because I think if we're curious, we'll want to keep digging but I hate that feeling of being overwhelmed. And so part of why I love, and that's what Woven does too, it does the same thing as um, Seamless. It's, it's more content than was in Seamless, but it's in book form. We were really passionate about doing that because we were like, you know what? I, I think back to when I was an early Christian or before I knew the Lord, I think a Bible study would have been really overwhelming. Yeah. Because you're, you know, you, so essentially people could read woven and in theory, never have to open a Bible. And I think there are a lot of people who are there. They need the verses written out in front of them. They're not ready to be interactive with the Bible. They want to understand it, but as a story and not as something where they are going to be so focused on flipping to verses or whatever. Um, so for me, my heart is just that it would be a tool yeah. for people who might not want to do a Bible study. Um, so it has all the verses in it, but it's, yeah. it, but they're, it, they're in the book. They're not exactly. like, okay, now go flip to this page in your exactly. Bible. Exactly. And I just thought, you know what, if you've got people coming into a church who are, don't understand the story, it's hard to, like, I, I think Bible studies are amazing, but there's a certain place where that fits. And then for other people, it's sort of like, hey, if you're interested in God, like, here's a book. <sighs> So it just feels like it's a much more, I love an interactive Bible study, but I do think that there is a place for, you know, you've got someone coming into church. It's like, I don't really understand this. I would love to hand a Bible over. They need the word, but it's not going to make any sense and it's going to be frustrating. So I feel like if you can give them a resource where everything is there again, not that I, I'm not encouraging people to be interactive, but I think it can make it more complicated and scary if you're having to like, let's wait on the pages, just read it here. Yeah. Read through. And then when you go to the word and you open it, you're flipping a tissue page and going, oh my gosh, Isaiah. Yes. Okay. Like I know who Isaiah is now. Yes. Right. Right. I love that so much. I feel like I would have been, I would have benefited so much from a resource like that because I remember you know, first time I got a Bible was, you know, my, the college ministry I got involved in, in the last like two months of college gave a free one away. Um, and then Mm. I ended up buying a study Bible, which actually is the same study Bible that I use today. I have, are you serious? Yep. I've never traded it. And I just, I can't bring myself to get a different one. Like I just love it. I love it so much. Which one is it? What kind is it? Uh, it's an IV, an IV study Bible. Wow. And I just, like, I know what side of the page things are on. And I know what, like, color pen I've circled, like, the verse in. Or I have dates next to things. I have stuff, like, Uh, shoved in there. And it just is, like, just my prized possession. But I needed, like, the first time I, I, you know, the first time I tried to open the Bible, I remember, like, asking my friend, like, where do I start? And she's like, I don't know. I mean, I start at the beginning of the Gospels, like, start in Matthew or something. And I'm reading Matthew. And 
I like, I'm just reading like genealogy and I'm reading whatever. And so I read like a couple, like a couple paragraphs and then I just sort of closed it and started to journal instead. Like I needed something to bridge the gap between where I was at the very beginning and like to walk me in through the door, you know? And so I love that that's what you've created here. I'm praying that it does. I'm praying that it does because in fact, I missed the timing on this call because I was finishing up the edits on it. So it's hilarious timing. I'm like, oh gosh, I have a podcast and I almost missed it because I was working on what we're talking about. I love it. So it's like so so fresh in your brain. Yes. Yes. But I really, thanks for asking about that, Stephanie. I'm really excited about it. And if anyone who's listening thinks to pray (laughs) that it would just fall into the right hands and that God would use it. And, you know, sometimes we say that and it sounds like Christianese and that's not what I'm saying. Like, I'm not like, pray it. I really mean, God, I hope you can just send this out for me because, you know, that's, that was the prayer that went into it the whole time. So, but it's hard. It's like weird to release anything. It's like, you feel naked. You just like send it out and you don't know where it goes or what it's doing. And so I love this where you get to talk to real people who are like, I turned real pages and, you know. I learned. So anyway, it's, I am excited about it, but it's also really nerve wracking. Okay. I have to tell you, like, it is so good to hear you say that. I have a brand new prayer journal called the Between Places that came out yesterday. I want one. And okay, we can make that happen. And the naked thing is super Mm. real. Like if anyone is listening and feeling like you are taking a risk or something and you feel like you are naked in front of a whole bunch of people, like I, yes. I'm just so glad to hear another person say that because I'm like, uh, yeah, me too. And you people don't say that enough. I have friends, I have neighbors who are also sort of like in this world and I've gotten some really great advice from them. I've written enough that I think I'm getting better. But listen, in the event that you get one in any way, shape or form through words on Amazon, like you are not a one-star review. Because my tendency is to go through and I will read the one stars. I don't read the five. I'm like, I just jump to the thing and I'm like, see, but it's part of that being naked of like, I'm literally like, like I created this. I love, um, Ernest Hemingway said, um, writing is easy. You just put your hands on the type board and bleed. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, that Uh, is what it is. Yes. (laughs) Like, I just gave everything I had to this and now real people are holding it in their real hands. Yeah. And it it's a weird feeling. And again, it doesn't even have to be something where you're a writer. I mean, I think there are a million places, like you said, you know, it could be someone who wants to be a dancer or someone who wants to be a journalist or whatever it is. They're feel normal if if that's what takes you over when you start to move toward it. Yes, very normal. It's I I feel like I call it a dirty sock syndrome. Because I feel like when you're making something, you're like, you have to believe in it enough to, to like get started, you know, and then you have to believe in it enough to keep going. But then it's like, once it's mostly done or the second it like goes out into the world, it's like sent, published, released, launched. It's like all of a sudden when you have to talk about it, it's like, you're not, you're not talking about this beautiful thing that you just put your heart and soul into. Like all of a sudden I feel like I'm like, do you want my dirty socks? Yes. Please. Do you want to just like, maybe just do me, do me a favor here and just accept my dirty socks. Like I just forget. It's like, I can't remember that anything good is in there. Yeah. I love that. That is a great term. That'll connect to people who are listening. (laughs) Also, you guys pray for both of us. (laughs) Pray for, pray for our books. We we need you. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. 
Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Well, so, you know, we're talking about woven and how it's, Everything's in there. So so it's like you don't have to actually open your Bible. And I know that there are women listening who maybe have been Christians for, again, a minute or like a million years. And they're like, I go to church. I listen to Christian music in the car. I whatever, you know, name a couple of things. But I don't really read my Bible. What are we missing if the Bible actually getting into God's Word is not part of our— like? Can, is yeah. that is that something we can just like omit or is that necessary? I mean, I'll start by saying this. I had to learn a lot of freedom and I'll be honest, it is still uncomfortable for me because I judge myself as a Christian. Like I'm looking down the pew. Like I, I'm trying to figure out if I'm doing this right. Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Like, how do you pray? How do you like, that's just my personality is I feel like, I don't know how to do this. Someone help me. Like it's a lecture or something. It's not. With that said, there are certain things that God has promised us. And he says that the word is alive and that it's active. Again, for people who maybe are listening who aren't Christians, that sounds maybe weird. But I will tell you this. I go through seasons and I'm humiliated to say, where I will go weeks without opening my Bible. COVID has been really hard for me. And it's just been recently that I have started to. And I'm not saying this to be like a freak, but like, 
I start reading and I'm thinking, yeah, no, this is something. When I read, there is something different that happens to me in my relationship to God. And I think that our enemy does not want us in there. He just doesn't because it it feels like this is the word. This, this is exactly what he's given us. And it's his voice to us through all of these amazing people. And it's something that looks so intimidating. And you're like, I don't know where to start, which I always start at the beginning. I get to Leviticus and I'm like, that's a buzzkill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, lots of laws here. Do we have to do not these things? through that. Yeah. But I would also say if you're intimidated by the Bible, maybe start in a gospel and give yourself a lot of permission. If you only read a verse or two a day and you just want to meditate on that, don't feel pressured to like be putting deadlines and dates and trying to get through something. That's, I mean, the heart of God, God's word is to be present with him and aware of him. And it isn't assignments that you have to get done. I, I tend to feel that way. Do you see why I shouldn't have written Bible studies? Maybe? <laughs> no, no. I'm like, Angie is my Bible study. Like, Angie is my ideal Bible study leader. Because I'm the same way. Like, I'm totally, I'm like, it would be easier for me if it was like, check this off. Like, read one chapter or yes. five verses a day. Check it off. And then right. you have done enough. And it's not yeah. like that. It's like, re- it's it's connecting relationally. It's, you can't check it off in the same way you can't check off connecting with a friend or your a parent or your spouse or something. Like it's, it's not that kind of thing. Like you're not going to go, okay, went to lunch with my daughter at school. Check. Like yeah. you're never going to get to the point where th- there are no check marks. That's a really, really beautiful example, Stephanie. I love that. Thanks. Well, so when, if, if we, like we know on some level, we need to be reading the Bible and yes, but like, like it feels like life gets in the way a lot, yeah. you know, like we have great intentions or we want to have great intentions. Right. How do we one prioritize, like actually get to a place where this is a habit in our life? And right. then two, like, does there come a point where, where we actually really want to be reading the Bible where we not like, where we're not wanting to want to, does that make sense? Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. And you know what I used to do? Like, it's the same thing, like in any relationship or any situation, like I start by saying like, pray, like help me want to want to, you know, it's like, that's the first step is I don't feel like I want to, but I know you will honor this request. And so if you start from like outside that circle, I think that's a very good prayer. And I, God is happy for any prayers like that. And Mm so I do feel like for me, it's almost like anything else where if you haven't done it for a while, you feel really rusty. And when you start, you, you're you automatically, it's just on your mind more. So you haven't like put it aside to the point where you can't see it. It's like in front of you in your mind. And so I'm not great at this, but I am trying to get better. I think just consistency of, you know, I, of, I don't like the morning. So it's hard for me to do things in the morning. My brain doesn't work, but whenever it is just to really set a time and not, not as a pressure thing, but just as a consistency thing. I know that there are people who write books about that. Like if you do it for this many days, it becomes, you know, a habit, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But, and it doesn't have to be, I think a lot of people think that it has to be so intense, you know, like. I've talked to early, you know, people who are Christians and they've just become Christians and they just go to it, not expecting to be delighted. I think they go to it with the mindset of, I've got to get through this, or I know I'm not going to understand this or, and I, I think that again, there's something about when, when the idea of the Bible comes up that you sort of start um, putting a voice in your head that says, it's a delight. Like I'm going into this knowing that I'm going to meet God here. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. And that I'm excited about it. I think there's something about changing the way you talk to yourself about reading scripture. And that's a really basic suggestion, but it's just something that works for me in a yeah. lot of situations, like writing, like work, anything of, okay, I'm just going to go into this optimistically. I'm going to tell myself I'm excited. And then I'm more likely to read when I can rewrite that narrative in my head. Yeah. Like instead of it being something on our to-do list that like 
is as fun as like go sweat it out for an hour on the elliptical. Like that's not, I mean, I guess there's some people who actually enjoy that, but like you're doing it because you have to most of the time. Those are my people. (laughs) Me either. I appreciate it. Yeah. But like, you know, this isn't a have to, it's a get to. And and it's like, you know, I wonder if we schedule it differently. Like I'm going to spend even 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Like I'm going to have a coffee date with God this morning. Like we just have our standing, you know, like if you were to talk to your best friend on the phone, when you drive into work three days a week or something like that, like that kind of thing where you, you look forward to it. And, um, Angie, I don't know if you've ever read Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. Come on now. Yes, ma'am. It was one of the first books I read when I was a, when I became a Christian. And there's this part where where one of his friends is talking about how for a season they would lay on the floor and smoke cigarettes and eat chocolate while reading the Bible. And like the cigarettes thing is not that's not my deal. But um, but then there's this quote where like someone says you that he's like you'd read it that way, and and the girl goes, yeah, the Bible's not a salad book. The Bible's a chocolate book. Oh. And I just like something about that. And so for a while I would like get pieces of chocolate and like kind of curl up in my bed and I would I love that eat chocolate or reading the bible because the bible's not a salad book it's a chocolate book that's really good I, awesome? see, I'm getting a lot out of this Stephanie oh my gosh getting a lot out of this by the time I mean COVID has not been kind to me as far as weight because I figured out that like when you don't move and you eat it there's really it's just a basic equation which I've just now figured out so <laughs> I probably am going to put a pause on the chocolate yeah. and, and sort this issue out. <laughs> then I'm going to dive in. Yes. First. And then I'm back to the chocolate. That's exactly right. Yes. That's amazing. Well, okay. So can you, you know, I, I love that when you go to write Bible studies, one, you write them in English, which I really appreciate, <laughs> just like normal people words. But I love that that they've been inspired by, like, I need more context than just this one story or this one verse or whatever. So one question I have is, you know, I think a lot of us come to the Bible looking for answers, like specific answers for our lives. You know, we're trying to figure out if we take this job or that job or, like, do I marry this guy or is he wrong for me or whatever. And and almost like we, like, flip open a page and are looking for answers. And then we get, like, yeah, some weird Levitical law about, like, totally slaughtering <laughs> goats or something and you're like okay I don't totally know how that applies you're like I'm supposed to go out with him yeah right yeah goat blood means yes how does reading the bible as one continuous story like how does that answer the questions in our lives like better than sort of like flipping and pointing like does it really great question I think that yeah I mean you I sort of feel like just for me when I have the context it's Because, you know, he's not a magic eight ball like this. That's not how the equation works. And there have been plenty of times where I've been like, Lord, I'm praying about this. Would you show me something, you know, in scripture? But I would also, you know, there would be a check that I would feel in my spirit if I was like, I'm just doing this for me like a magic eight ball thing. Or if I really understand the narrative of scripture and I can see the way that Jesus has honored people and the way that his relationship with them the way it looked, it changes the way that I think about Jesus. And so I feel like all of it sort of falls into place. And once you really understand, it's hard to read the Old Testament, go into the New Testament and deny that Christ was real. It's it's very hard to do that because there's so much foreshadowing yeah. about who he is. Hundreds of years later, and he's meeting all of these prophecies. And he lived in a real time period where we know other real people who lived in that time period. So for me, all of the things in my life that I would ask, or just all of that is wrapped up in the knowledge of knowing this is true. So I I don't know. I think that it's changed the way that I approach him for things like that, that I don't really want the quick yes or no. I want to remember how to be in his presence. And just acknowledge that he is who he says he is. So again, it's more of like a relationship instead of a magic eight ball. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And like, I feel like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I love that you said magic eight ball because yeah, we, we go for answers and we kind of flip open a random page and like, it's hard to do that in any book. You know, you yeah. flip open any book and you point to a random like sentence and it's like, it's, it's an, less helpful way to go about things than we're 
like hoping it will be. But right. I feel like when we can understand, like the big story of of Scripture tells us who God is and yeah. who we are because of who God is. And, and instead of that giving us really specific answers of like, take this job, don't take that job, we get to make the decision knowing, like out of, out of a place of knowing who we are and out of a place of knowing who God is. And that like, that's what guides our decisions. And I think too, there's a lot of times when you're like, gosh, what's the right decision? I could screw this up. Shoot. Did I not listen to God? Did I not do the right thing? Listen, I, God is not sitting on his throne doing a maze of your life and drawing out, oh, no, she turned there. Nope, she turned there. She turned there. Again, it, we're human. We're, we're doing the best we can. And we're trying to be in relationship with him. We're not going to do this perfectly. So sometimes I feel like I hear people who are like, I really thought I heard God on this. And I'm like, and I, you probably did. And if you did and you made the wrong choice, I, don't, I think we can get so stuck in thinking we could choose the wrong way and God would be judging us for that. Yeah. And it's, that's just not what it is. You know, again, that map of like this maze where we're going through and we get to heaven and it's like, yeah, well, you sure detoured here. And then you do this. And I told you to do this. I don't know. I feel like, again, I, I have a brain that sort of works in those tangible ways. And so it's easy for me to put that in my mind instead of, again, relationship, because relationship is vague. Yes. It's great. Yeah. I don't like that. I just want to know <laughs> And I want you to just be, tell me what to do to be a Christian. And, you know, and it's, he intentionally left that very gray. Yeah. Well, so you, like earlier you were saying that a lot of the characteristics that we have, like we forget, like sometimes I feel like we put bad, bad human characteristics on God. Like, be, like people in our lives aren't always faithful. And so because they're not always faithful, we have a hard time rem- like believing that God is always faithful. Or like, you know, a lot of us don't have great relationships with our parents, you know? And so it's like when people say God is a father, you're like, I hope he's not like my father, which my father, I have to say, is really, really great. Which is a blessing because a lot of people don't have that gift. Right. But like, so it's, so sometimes I feel like we get in trouble that way, but also when, you know, in good relationships with our parents, usually I feel like our parents or like, you know, if we're parents, you know, Angie, you're not telling your kids like, I have mapped out this exact plan for your life and I have told you what it is. And if you detour, you have broken it and I cannot fix it. And there's, there's a way that I want you to go, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. I want you to figure it out. Like, and then, yeah, if you get it wrong, there's punishment. Like how it, I feel like how it works with anyone who's a good leader of us or good, like caretaker of us is that they love us so much and they're there to guide us and help us and be with us. Yeah. But like, they're not they're not charting this course for us where we can totally screw it up. And like, exactly. and like, I think we forget that we think God's that way, but like our parents aren't that way. And it says like, God is a really good father. Like he's the best dad yeah. ever. Yep. And that, my dad made it easy to believe in a good father. Yeah. And I think that that, and I won't go into it now because it's not public, but what you just said, as far as like parents and for me specifically, like the roles you had to play in childhood and the way that you were raised to believe certain things about yourself and the way that those impact where you are now in relationships with people and with God. And it's just my, my master's degree is in child psychology. So I've always been so fascinated by the dynamics of early life and then the way that affects us now. And it's just, it's a hundred percent there. Do you know what I mean? Like every single person will be able to identify things in their life where they were, they had to figure out what to do to be loved. Yeah. And those things all transfer over to God. So I think there's a lot of value in saying, if you were one of those people who didn't have a good father, you know, there's work that needs to be done before you can have trust in God. Yeah. Um, a powerful, it's a really powerful tool to be able to sort of go back and see where these markers were on your life and like what's true and what's not to be able to claim that where we are. That's, I love that you said that. I feel like that's a lot of what I'm I'm a huge proponent of counseling. And I feel like that's what counseling has helped me do so much is just look at like, 
why do you think you need to follow up? Like, why do you go to following all the rules? Like, that's how I'll be accepted or loved. Or why do you walk into a room and not believe that you're invited and welcome? And like, where does that come from? And and you're right. right. Like, it totally influences not only our relationships with other people, which it does, like our marriages and our friends and whatever, everything, yeah. but also, yeah, our relationship with God. Were you like, you were the one who kept the rules? I feel like the way that I secure my safety is by like trying to do everything right. Like trying to please people. And like, my husband is totally not a rule follower. Like he's the, like, why is it this way? And I think it could be better. Like, let's, let's improve this, you know? And I'm like, no, no, no. They just say to do this. And, and that's the way to like avoid trouble. That's the way to belong. That's yeah. Are you a firstborn? I am. And so is he actually, which is funny. That is funny. He's a little bit out of the norm. That's actually yeah. pretty cool for a firstborn. Yeah. He, he's like, tell me why this rule exists. And, but yeah, we all have things that like, we learned to belong this way or we learned to keep peace this way or we learned whatever. And I feel like counseling has been such a helpful thing for me in that. And, and yeah, it impacts, like, I feel like it's easier to believe that God loves you when you're not putting false human characteristics on him. Yep. And all the things you learn from imperfect people that yeah. do not represent a perfect God, but that's the best you've got right here to model that in your head. Yeah. You know, that's what we can put our hands on. And so, of course, that's going to transfer into what we imagine of God, the God we can't see. Yeah, that the, the can't see part is so hard. It really is. It really is. That would have made things a lot easier. <laughs> No, but like, actually, it's funny. And I, I, I probably learned this from you. It's, <laughs> it's crazy that all throughout like the gospels, when all of Jesus's disciples are with him, like they doubt is exactly as much as we do, like in real time. I was just going to say that. That's so funny. Yeah. I probably learned that from you. Yeah. It's such a comfort. That's why I like love Thomas. I love Peter. I love all the fumbling people. But anyway, also I think like this is the kind of thing that I, when people say, do you feel stupid? I was writing the Bible study that just came out called Matchless. And I realized literally for the first time. So if you don't know this either, please don't feel stupid. Actually, just tell me so that I won't feel stupid. I always assumed that the gospel writers were people walking with Jesus who had firsthand accounts of Jesus. They weren't like, I don't remember which one's which, but one probably never knew him. Like in my mind, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were walking with Jesus. It's not like two of them were, I don't remember. I should remember one got his information from someone else and probably, you know, like, but I've been a Christian for how many years? And I didn't know that. So that's so I'm, I'm like, did I know that mate? Like, I don't know. I didn't. So all that to say you you were asking me about this Bible study where you learn so much and blah, 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 blah. And I'm the one who's going, I didn't know that. So in <laughs> answer to the question about being stupid, we all are. I mean, that's, I just think it's so funny that it's very kind that people say things like that to me. And there are still a million things that I never knew that I'm still learning about. Grace, give yourself some grace. Yes. I feel like the cool thing about scripture. And like, this just gives me hope is that no matter how, like, it's just this like infinite well where we can just swim down and down and down and down and down. And no matter how far down we go, I mean, like you hear from people who have been Christians for like, you know, 70 years and they're still learning things. And it's just like, so we're never going to be done. So we can take that pressure off and like it, and there's always more to learn. And so I love what you said earlier about being curious, like just go and being curious and go and being a learner and like, you're always going to be learning more. There's always going to be stuff you didn't know. Absolutely. And there's, you know, again, the Bible was not written for the scholars who could understand it. That was never the intention. I mean, of course it's written for them. It's written for everyone now. It was never, it, this is not whoever is listening. It is not over your head. God did it that way. So do not be intimidated. You'll, I just feel like people can take so much more ownership, not just of the Bible, but of their faith. If they have a better sense of what is in those pages, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, people who have been believers for however many years and know a lot of stories and, but haven't been able to connect things just for me, that, that moment of like 
oh, that's what, like, I love that moment. <laughs> you're like, it's like you're watching a movie and you're like, that's why that guy was there. And he shows back up. You know what I mean? Like yep. that, it's just, a, for me, it's, it, it's the best thing for me when I can get some understanding of the way that things happen. And I don't feel like I'm so confused. I can kind of like place it. That feels very powerful to me. I love it. Yes, a million percent. And I feel like that's exactly what Seamless has done for me. Angie, I, w- I want to I have a couple like specific questions I want to ask you here at the end. But before I do, like any for anyone who's who's like kind of familiar with the Bible, wanting to go deeper and wanting to really love it, like wanting to fall in love with reading the Bible. Do you have any just like practical or specific things they can do sort of outside outside of reading it as one big story? Because that's what we're going to talk about next. But just anything that they can do to just fall in love with God's word more? Yeah, I think it's obviously going to be different for everyone, but I think there are a couple things that are, first of all, just genuinely praying. And you know what? If you're not even a Christian, still pray. You can ask God to show you things. And I know that for me, if I pray specifically, that I would fall in love with it. And I pray that he will use time that I'm reading it to show me something or so that I can feel his presence or anything like that. So I think praying and then trying to be disciplined about it, again, the way you would with any relationship, right? Like you're you're not going to go on one date and then plan your wedding. Well, some people do. That's awesome. But you're that's just not how it works. You, you've got to be invested in it in a way that's saying like, is this love? Like, I think this is. Let's, you know, you want to have that same sense of, I'm going to fight for this because I think there's something really beautiful. You also have to give yourself permission if you don't feel that way every single second. There's literally nothing in scripture that says you have to feel a certain way. There's obedience, of course, but there are many times I don't feel like, I mean, I have moments where I'm like, I don't feel like you're real. What's this whole thing? I know it's true. You know? So if you feel discouraged and you're like, yeah, I didn't, you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going and he'll meet you there. That's just true. I love that. I love that. Love that. Love that. Well, okay. So Angie, I'm going to be putting all of your Bible studies and resources and just links to everything for you in the show notes. And so you guys go get her Bible studies, go get woven. If, if you feel like that's the best place for you to start, go get seamless. If you're ready to kind of flip through the pages, um, I'm about to go through seamless again. I'm so excited about it. It just like truly, truly, I cannot recommend her studies enough. Um, and so those are all going to be in the show notes, but Angie, I would love it if you would just finish out by praying for us. Would you do that? I would love to these sweet folks who are listening. Jesus, I thank you for an opportunity just to talk about you and not in a way that makes it feel so overly spiritual that we're missing the heart of who you are and what you've done. Thank you for being the kind of God who doesn't need everything to be formal, even though we sometimes make it that way in our heads. Thank you for honoring us when we ask for it to just be easy to understand what our role is and what your role is. And I just pray that for everyone who's listening, just that the Lord would really just tug at your heart. And again, this isn't a, I'm not going to use any fancy words. They're just not needed for this. I just pray that you would have a sense that he's talking to you or that you would have a sense that something feels different in your spirit and you'll know when it does. And Lord, I just ask that you would truly, truly be present in some way that these ladies have never experienced. Um, I know that you will, and it has nothing to do with my words. It's because you are the God who sees us and listens to us and wants to bless us with your presence. And so God, will you do that? And if it is something where there's someone listening who has heard this conversation and, and felt to, you know, something in their hearts, that's like, I really want this. I really, I, I think that I really want this. Would you just confirm that with that person? And we will praise you in advance for having that person go from death to life. So God, you are good. And in this crazy time, we have to anchor ourselves in that. And so uh, that's what we're trying to do. And I pray that we see you in every bit of it, God. It's the only way we're going to do this. 
So I pray all of these things in your holy and mighty name. You are so good and so kind, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Andy, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'm really honored to. And thanks for your patience. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls Night. Before you go, I'd love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you so much to all of you who've already left those beautiful five-star reviews. I can't tell you how much that means to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I'll see you then.